Uh, anyway, my name is Clint. Uh, thank you all so much for being here today or joining us online. Uh, I'm so excited to get to share with you guys today. We're continuing on in a series called Living the Future. And in this series, we're looking at the seven different I am statements that Jesus makes. And we're exploring how those I am statements relate to the kingdom of God. And now a simple way of thinking about the kingdom of God is it's the, uh, it's the place where God gets his way 100% of the time. So when I think of this, this is what I think heaven is like, right? This is the place where God's will is always done, where he always gets his way. And then what we believe is that because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, that future, heaven, where everything is perfect, that comes crashing into the present. God's kingdom is breaking through into the here, into the now. We can experience his kingdom right here and right now. We don't have to wait until we die and get to heaven. Like this is a reality that can happen. And these seven I am statements, they help us experience the kingdom of God right now. So today we're going to look at some verses in John 14. And the statement that we're looking at is where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, when Jesus was walking around in his sandals or whatever on earth, he made lots of really big, bold claims. This, right up towards the top. I am the way. I'm the only way. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. That's a big claim. And for some of us, we kind of wrestle with that. How can Jesus be the only way? So if that's you, just stay with me, because we're going to talk about that uh, in a little bit. But for, uh, for some of you that have maybe been in church for a little while, you've probably heard this verse like preached about you know, a couple times. Maybe a different pastor who didn't have a cool mustache, who wasn't wearing an elephant tie. Uh, you get the elephants today. It was either elephants or rubber ducks. And my daughter, Clara, she's like, you wore the ducks last time, Daddy. It's the elephant's turn. So if that's you, if you've heard this you know, preached a couple times, Maybe you're already starting to check out. You're like, yep, I know where this is going. Well, today we're going to look at this verse maybe in a little bit different of a way than we've, uh, we've talked about before. We're going to come at it from a different angle. So please stay with me because I really believe that God wants to speak to all of us today. He wants to provide comfort and encouragement to all of us. And he wants to use this verse to help us learn how to trust him. We're going to see today how Jesus is trustworthy in big ways and small ways. And we're going to learn how we can continue to grow in our ability to trust him in the, the things that are easy and the things that are super difficult. Uh, so why don't you grab a Bible. There's Bibles under the, the chairs in front of you or open one if you brought it yourself. We're going to be in John 14. We're going to start in verse 1, but as you flip to that, I just want to set a little bit of the context. Whenever we study the scripture, it's really good to kind of know where in the story you're at. So in uh, John 13 and you know, some, some verses before this, we see that Jesus is sharing his final meal with his disciples. This is where he, he washes their feet. He predicts that he's going to be betrayed by, by one of the 12. And then he tells them that he's going to go away. He's going to go away and they can't follow him and that they're all going to leave him. And even Peter is going to deny him. So this is a lot for Jesus' friends to take in. So just picture yourself. You're sitting there, you know, with Jesus, and he's just coming to Jerusalem. 
He's coming to Jerusalem. The crowds were cheering him on. They were laying down the palm branches in front of him, hailing him like a king coming into his kingdom. It's the Passover festival. Everybody is super excited. This is supposed to be a time to celebrate. And uh, one of the really common beliefs kind of in this time period is that the Messiah would come, that's God's chosen savior, and he would set up this big political kingdom. He'd drive out the Romans, he'd set up this big political kingdom, and then he would rule over the entire earth from his throne in Jerusalem. So it's pretty easy to assume that this is where the disciples' mind was at. Hey man, we're in Jerusalem. It's Passover. It's happening. It's happening now. Jesus is going to come into his kingdom. He's going to drive out the Romans. It's today. It's now. And now we're at dinner, and Jesus starts talking about betrayal, about going away, about denial. You know, Peter has been portrayed as like Jesus' number two man. He is one of his closest followers. He's all, you know, firmly in the rah-rah team Jesus camp. And Jesus says, Peter, even you, even you, Peter, are going to leave me. Whoa. Can you picture yourself in that room? And it shouldn't be too hard because I think that we've all had those experiences where we think things are going to go one way and then it throws us for a loop and something different happens. You know, you think you're going to get that promotion and then you're passed over. You think that you found the person that you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with, and then they think differently. You think that that person that you love, that you care about, you know, that grandparent, that parent, that partner, that friend, you think, of course, they're going to pull through this sickness. It's only a matter of time before, before they're out of the hospital. And that's not what happens. We've all experienced this, where we think things are going one way, and then we're thrown into confusion. We're disoriented. We're in the middle of the chaos and we don't even know how it happened. I bet some of you are there right now. And if you're not, you probably will be at some point in your life. So let's look and see how Jesus answers his friends as this is beginning to set in and they're like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. So look at verse one. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God Believe also in me. So he says, don't be worried. Don't be alarmed. And then the word that we translate believe, we could also uh, translate it as trust. So don't be worried. Trust God. Trust me. Here he says, I know that you're worried, but trust me. And then he begins to tell us how and why we can trust him. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? His father's house has many rooms. He's going to prepare a place. Even in the middle of our trouble, Jesus, he has a place for you and for me. And this is a special place. And uh, this word where he says rooms, it's not um, like, a, like a big dusty mansion with the cobwebs. You know, I always picture like a, um, like the mansion from Narnia where there's so many rooms you get lost. That's not the word here. The word for room is like an intimate word. It's a place to dwell. It's a place to linger. It's a place to spend time. So when I think of that, I think of um, like a place that you would never want to leave. Do you have that place? Like for me, it's, uh, I, I've got this chair. 
I've got a, we've got a little fireplace in our living room, and I've got this chair, and I sit there, and there's been a couple of times this winter when it's just been terrible outside. You know, the snow is coming down, it's windy, I'm like, I don't want to go out there. So we build a fire, and I'm sitting in my chair. And both my little girls, Clara's four, Lucy's two, they're sitting there playing on the hardwood floor, and they're not trying to kill each other, they're getting along, uh, which is so nice. So they're there, fire's going, my wife Erin, she's sitting on the couch, she's reading a book, and I'm like, man, this is perfect. I want to linger here. I want to dwell in this moment. It's terrible outside, but in here, wow. I could stay here for a while. Have you had those moments? Do you have that place? Jesus says, I'm making that spot for you. I've got a special place, and it's perfect for you. I see you. I notice you. You belong. You belong in this place. So don't worry about the snow outside. Don't worry about the chaos of life. I've got you right here in this place. We can trust Jesus because he has a spot for us. And as I was preparing this part of the message, I really felt like there are some of us here today that maybe we've never felt like we've had a place. We've never felt like we've had a home. You've never felt like you had a spot where you could just be you. Some of us have never felt secure. If that's you, Jesus wants to be your security. He wants to draw you close. He wants to dwell with you. He wants to say, you don't have to pretend to be somebody different. I know who you are. And you are here and you are with me and I am with you. Others of us, um, we've never felt noticed. We've never felt special. And as I was kind of praying through this verse, the words I got were, I'm always second best. Some of you feel that? Like you're always second best? Well, here Jesus says, no. You are special. You are mine. You are known. We can trust Jesus because he creates this special spot just for us. But then look, he takes it a step further. Verses three and four, he says, and if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the, you know the way to the place where I'm going. So pay close attention here. Jesus says that he's gonna, he will come back and he'll take you to be with him. And yes, this verse is pointing to that future reality where we will spend all of our time with Jesus in heaven. And it's right now. That future is right now. Jesus is taking us to be with him. Our dwelling, the place we linger, that place where we can feel secure, it's not just a place. It's a person. We dwell with Jesus. We can trust him because he's our dwelling. He's where our security comes from. He's the thing that protects us, that keeps us grounded. So I think of it like this. Uh, my dad, I love my dad. My dad still lives in Aiken. Uh, well, technically, the, the village of Thor. That's where I'm really from. It's a tiny, tiny little community uh, like a turkey farming community about uh, 18 miles outside of Aiken. So you thought I came from the middle of nowhere? I come from the outside of the middle of nowhere. 
so my dad, he still lives in Aiken. Uh, I don't go see him as much as I want to, but when I get there, I come through the door and I give my dad a big hug. And, you know, I pull him close and I hug him. And then just about every single time, I try to let go and he pulls me closer. And then I just melt. I'm like, oh man, here I feel secure. Like I'm in my dad's arms. I'm 34. I've been through a lot of stuff. When I'm in my dad's arms, oh man, I'm a little kid again. I know that I'm secure. I know that I'm okay. No matter what I left back in Duluth, the crazy work stuff, the, you know, the chaos of my, of my little girls running around, all that stuff just melts away because I'm in my dad's arms in that moment. We have that in Jesus. So some of you today need to know that. Know that the Father is hugging you close. That Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. You can trust me. I'm here for you. I'm your security. He pulls you close and says that you are home. Trust him. Don't be troubled. He says, I know you have a, I have a place for you. That place, that place to linger, it's me. If it wasn't the case, I wouldn't have said it was. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust me, I'm here for you. So what does that look like? You know, what does that look like practically? You know, maybe you're, you're overwhelmed at work. Can you still take time out of your schedule to start your morning with prayer? To say, Lord, I trust that if I take this time and spend it with you, you'll be with me the rest of the day. Or how about when, uh, when you're feeling angry, when you're feeling hurt, when you're feeling betrayed by someone you love, can you trust that God is still with you? Can you still enter into worship and sing songs about God's goodness when you don't see the goodness in people? What about when what you want conflicts with things that are in Scripture? Can you trust that God's ways are better than our ways? That he loves us more than we possibly could know? Then if we trust him, we'll be okay. When you feel alone, can you trust that he has a place for you? And that place is with him. And this can be difficult. And the disciples, they really didn't get what Jesus was inviting them into. They're a little bit clueless. You can see that in the next verse. Uh, look at uh, verse five. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we follow? How can we know the way? I love Thomas. He's so honest. Uh, and I don't know about you, I find myself asking this question a lot. Uh, and I say, Lord, I don't know how to follow you. I want to. I really want to, but I don't know the way. I don't know what you're asking me to do. How can I go where you want me to go if I don't know? If I don't know where you're going? And so I hear this, this form of a question a lot. Um, I hear it like in my students, right? I'm a, I'm a youth pastor. I do stuff with junior hires and senior hires. Uh, I hear them say, you know, I, what am I supposed to do with my life? Where, are, where does God want me to go to school? Um, what should I be when I grow up? I want to follow God, but I don't know the way. I hear it with adults I work with. You know, should I stay in this job that I hate? Should I move into this neighborhood? Should I stay at this church? Should I pursue this relationship? I want to follow God, but I don't know the way. And it's not just about all the external things either. It can be internal things as well. You know, uh, I have all this anger in my life. What does it look like for me to follow Jesus 
with my anger, with my hurt, with my disappointment? What do I do with that? What's the way forward? So where in your life, can you, can you identify that spot where you're like, man, I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow God. I don't know the way. Where's that longing? Where are you crying out? God, show me the way. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus replies, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Jesus says, you want to get close to the Father? I'm the way you do it. There's no other way. That's the truth, and it brings life. Now, I want to pause here for just a minute. Let's, let's linger. Let's dwell here for a second, okay? First, this is a bold claim. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one path to the Father, and that's through the Son. This is a high point in John's gospel. Throughout the gospel, John has pointed towards uh, the divinity of Jesus. And right here, it kind of comes to a head. It comes to a decision point. Is Jesus trustworthy? Is he telling the truth? Is he really the only way? And I've had this conversation with folks a lot over the years just about the, the boldness of this claim that Jesus is the only way to get to the Father. And one of the things that usually comes up is people say, yeah, but what about this person? What about this relative of mine? What about this friend who's a really good person but doesn't believe in Jesus? What about them? What about this historical figure? What about this what-if scenario? What if? What about this person? And today I want to point something else out. Later in John's gospel, we read about Peter and John. They're walking with Jesus. This is after the crucifixion. This is after Jesus has been raised from the dead. They're walking with Jesus. This is John 21, verse 20. It says, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? That's John. So Peter turns. He sees John. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? What about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. So we can spend a lot of time asking the question, Lord, what about him? When Jesus is saying, you must follow me. So I'm not saying that those other questions aren't important. I'm not saying that those aren't things that we have to sit with, that we have to wrestle with, that we have to dive in and explore. What I am saying is today, Jesus is asking each one of us that question. Do you trust me? He's saying, will you follow me? This isn't about somebody else. This is about you. Will you follow me? This is for all of us. Jesus says, if you want to see the Father, look at me. I am the way. You want to draw close? I'm the way. The way is a person. You come to me and dwell in that place that I've prepared for you. You spend time with me. You trust in me. That's where life is. You want to know the way to the Father? It's me. And let's be clear here. 
Jesus doesn't say, I point the way. He says, I am the way. We ask ourselves, can we trust Jesus? Is he trustworthy? I say we can, because Jesus didn't just talk the talk. He made the way. He is in a road sign pointing to the final destination. Jesus is the destination. By dying on the cross, he gave up everything. He gave up his life so that our sins would be forgiven. He made it possible for you and me to be made right with God, to be able to, to draw close, to dwell, to linger in God's presence. We can trust Jesus because he did the work. He walked it out. He laid his life down. He didn't just say the words, he did the works. And now he's inviting us, he's inviting you and me to experience the Father through him. And the disciples, they spent three years traveling around with Jesus, and they're still confused. Like, this is big stuff. They aren't quite sure what Jesus is saying, what he's inviting them into. So then I love, these guys are just men after my own heart. First Thomas, now Philip. Philip pipes up, and he says, uh, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Show us the Father. I love this. You know, Philip, he's got no idea what's going on. But look at his heart. I want more of God. This reminds me of, uh, of Moses back in Exodus, crying out, show me your glory. Philip wants to see more. Where do you want to see more? I firmly believe like we're, we're spiritual creatures and we have this craving in our life for more of God. So what part of your life is crying out for more, uh, more of God's power, more of his presence, for more understanding of who he is? Where is that for you? Where are you crying out, show me more? Philip asks to see more and then this is the answer Jesus gives. Verse nine. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me, doing his work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least, believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Philip says, Lord, show me the Father. Show me God. And Jesus says, I've been here the whole time. I've been here the whole time. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. So this week as I've been uh, preparing for this, the, this verse, it keeps coming up. It keeps coming up. And I think that there's something really powerful here for all of us, but especially for those of us who've maybe been following Jesus for, uh, for a while who spend some time in churches, who, you know, who would consider yourselves like already disciples, consider yourselves already Christians, people who've you know, been to this life of faith for a while. We each have spots in our life where Jesus is saying this to us. And this isn't um, like, a, like a shame or a guilt or a try harder thing. It's an invite. It says, don't you know me? Even after all this time, we each have these spots in our life where we're trying to do life on our own, under our own strength, where we don't pivot towards Jesus and ask for his help. And that's exhausting. 
Jesus is inviting us into like a greater level of trust in those areas. Think about that. Can you put your finger on that spot in your life? Like where do you just feel totally exhausted? Where do you feel worn out? Where are you operating in your power and strength instead of trusting in God's power and strength? Where is he inviting you into more trust, especially where it's scary? So when I was thinking about this, the, the thing that popped in my head immediately was my, my oldest daughter, Clara. Uh, I love her to death. You know, there she is. Oh, look at her. She, she made me a meal of Play-Doh. Isn't that special? And uh, there are some of you that are like, why is she on the table? Is that some, some silly parenting style? It gets worse. I let her jump off the table. That's a game we play pretty regularly. Call it, Daddy, will you catch me? So she comes to the edge of the table, and she goes, Daddy, will you catch me? And I go, yeah, honey. And I put my arms up. She goes, but for real? I'm like, yeah, honey, for real. And she asks like four or five more times as she does the little kid, like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Daddy, will you catch me? Daddy, will you catch me? And I don't get mad. I don't get frustrated. I say, yeah, kiddo. I'll catch you. Have I ever not caught you? And eventually she goes, okay. And she jumps. And I let her fall on the floor. No, I catch her. <laughs> of course I catch her. And I hold her close. And she laughs. And then she climbs up on the table. Daddy, will you catch me again? We play this all the time. And like, I'm an okay dad. I'm not the best. I'm averagely strong. I catch her every single time. How much more will Jesus catch us? As I was thinking about this week and I was praying, I said something like, God, I'm worried about X, Y, and Z. I'm worried about this thing. I'm praying about it. And I felt like God said, Clint, don't you know me at all? Like, think, think of all the times that I've shown up. Can you trust me? And it wasn't like a harsh condemnation. It was me going to catch Clara. Yeah, honey, I'll catch you. Don't be troubled. Trust me. Trust me, I'll catch you. It's going to be okay. So where in your life is God saying that? You can trust me. Things might work out different than you thought. But I'll catch you. I'm with you. I'm here for you. And then just like Philip, think about all the ways that you've seen God be faithful before. After all this time, all the things you've seen, all the words, all the works, the miracles, you can trust me. I've shown up before. I'll show up again. What's that thing for you? Where's God inviting you to jump off the table? He's here. He's with you. He's inviting you into a deeper level of trust. He's in it with you. Look at verse, uh, verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. As God's chosen people, we can trust not only that God is with us, but that he's gonna work through us to bring glory to the Father. We're a continuation 
of the mission that Jesus had here on earth. The Father sends the Son. The Son goes out of obedience, even to the cross. The Son makes the way so that we can draw close, so that we can bring glory to the Father. You and I, were being invited into this really intimate relationship. We get to be a part of the love between the Father and the Son. We're being invited in through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to help us. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, uniting us with the Father and the Son. We're being invited into this very real relationship with God. You can trust him. You can trust Jesus because he's always with us. He's always there. And the Holy Spirit, it's not an idea. Holy Spirit isn't sort of a metaphysical concept or a philosophy or wishful thinking. Holy Spirit is a person who's there, who's real, who comes alongside of us, who helps us live our day-to-day. The word that they use here is advocate. And the Greek word uh, for, for advocate here, it had like some legal connotations. Uh, it was described um, like a, an advocate was somebody who came to your defense in a trial, who provided evidence, who provided legal counsel and advice, someone who was on your side, someone who was for you, somebody who was there to help. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He's our advocate. The Spirit empowers us. It gives us things like strength, patience, courage, compassion. It offers advice and wisdom. Guys, I can't tell you, like, I guess I'm a a normally smart person. I can't tell you how many times that I've had a problem and I've been praying. I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. Can you help me out here? And then a solution just happens to present itself. And you know, is it coincidence? I love this quote uh, by William Temple. He was an Archbishop of Canterbury. He's got this well-known saying. He said, when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. (laughs) The Holy Spirit comes to our defense. The Holy Spirit makes things happen. And if you really want to take some extra time to get to know who the Holy Spirit is, uh, John and Rachel talked about that Holy Spirit Day, March 25th. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, March 25th, 9.30. Come, meet the Holy Spirit. Learn about them. Let them fill you up. Learn how we don't have to be alone. We carry God's spirit with us. How we can interact with Holy Spirit. How we don't have to try to do things out of our own strength. Come learn about this gift. Because the Holy Spirit is a gift that Jesus gives us. And he he gives us this gift because he loves us. And he doesn't want us to be alone. Uh, Verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. 
we can trust Jesus because he hasn't left us alone. He didn't, uh, you know, he didn't peace out. He didn't just go up to heaven and be like, see you later, good luck. You know, keep the house warm, I'll be back sometime. No, he's with us. He dwells with us. He's there to help us. And um, I think about my first, uh, like my first real job in, well, my first job, I sold minnows out of the back of a truck when I was like five. Clint's Minnow Biz with a Z. Um, but my first real job where I had a paycheck was uh, I worked at a grocery store uh, in Aiken. And I had a couple different managers. But one of them, what he would do is beginning of the day, you'd show up and he'd come out of the office and he'd say, uh, here's what you need to do today. He'd give you your task list. Then he'd go back and he'd sit in the office. What he was doing in the office? Never saw him again. But then there was Jason. You'd show up. And Jason would come and say, all right, here's, here's what we are doing today. And then he'd work right alongside of you. I can remember uh, stock and frozen foods, which is the worst. Well, cans is the worst. Frozen's number two. <laughs> number two. Stock and frozen foods. And Jason's right there. He's helping me out. He's handing me stuff. He's offering correction when I need correction. You got to put the label up. Oh, okay. How are people going to know to get their peas if the label's down? Yeah, I got it, Jason. He's listening to me about my hopes, my dreams for the future, talking about life, what I want to do after high school. He's offering advice. We were doing it together. That's Holy Spirit. God isn't just hanging out up in heaven waiting. He's right there with us, working, helping, guiding and if you're like me, this is really easy to forget. We follow an invisible God in a crazy, chaotic world. We can easily forget this. So it's so important for you and me to take time and create space in our lives to interact with the Holy Spirit, to wake up early and spend time in prayer, to do check-ins in between meetings at lunchtime, to spend time at night meditating on God's holy scripture, on practicing gratitude. Because when we practice these spiritual disciplines, what we're doing is we're creating space in our lives to interact with the Holy Spirit. This isn't, uh, this isn't magic. This isn't, you know, some miracle cure. This is just spending time with God. And the more time we spend with God, the more we get to know Holy Spirit so that we can hear Holy Spirit's voice. The more we realize just how close this relationship is, that we are never alone, that God is always with us. Uh, let's look at our last little chunk of this verse. Um, we're going to look at verse 20 as we get ready to wrap up here. It says, On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Read that again. I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Jesus is in the Father. You are in Jesus. You are immersed in the Trinity. The Son has made the way for you to interact with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This, this is our reality. This is that future kingdom breaking into the here and now. We don't have to wait to be with God. 
We are with God now. We can trust Jesus because he made the way and he dwells with us. He's been with us every single minute of every single day. There's nothing that you or I have been through that he hasn't been right there with us. And he knows the real us. Not the the fake us that we put out there for other people to see. Not the one with the masks. Not even the person we hope someday to be. He knows the real us. He's chosen us. He's chosen to dwell with us. To draw close. To be there. We aren't alone. So where in your life do you feel like you're alone? Where do you feel like, like an orphan? Where do you feel uh, like you need an advocate? Where do you need direction and guidance? Where do you feel just that, just that chaos where life is just so out of whack? It's like a big snowstorm. You can't even see where to go. Where do you feel like that? And again, this isn't, this isn't about somebody else. This is about you. It's not the person sitting next to you, not the person at home. It's about you. Where is Jesus inviting you into more trust? If you were to lay out your whole life in front of you, where would Jesus point and say, this right here, don't be troubled. I've got this. Can you trust him? Can you trust him with that thing? So friends, let's take some time and like put some wheels on this. Let's take some time to interact with the Holy Spirit and let him fill us with this trust. So we're gonna enter into this thing that we call ministry time, which is just that. It's an opportunity to not just talk the talk, but walk it out, to linger in God's presence. So I'm gonna ask everybody, uh, why don't you, you stand up with me? And I'm going to open us in some prayer. And I'm just going to create some space. I'm going to create some space for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And I've got a couple of things that I think God might be doing in the room. I'm going to pray over us. And then uh, ministry team, you can make your way up whenever, whenever you feel like you want to. I'm not your boss. Um, and the folks that are going to come up here, they just want to pray for you. Anything that God has highlighted to you today, just come up and say, like, hey, can you pray for this? And they'd love to create more space for you to meet the Holy Spirit. But, friends, let's, uh, let's take some time and pray together. So, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here even more right now. And, Father, we thank you. We just start with gratitude. We thank you for everything that you've ever done for us. We thank you for every breath. God, we thank you for the cross, for the way that you made it possible for us to draw close to you. Lord, would you fill us with faith and hope and trust. 
Anywhere we have fears or doubts? Lord, did you speak to those right now? Would you bring to mind all the ways that you've been trustworthy in the past? And reassure us that you're trustworthy now. So Father, where we feel chaos in our life, where we feel disoriented, where there's uncertainty, Lord, would you meet us in that spot? Would you bring your peace that surpasses all understanding? Father, would you be our advocate? In those places where we're lost, where we're confused, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Father, as we take risks, would you empower us? Would you provide the evidence? Father, I pray right now too for my friends here today that don't feel secure. God, would you just bring that security? I pray that you would speak to each and every one of our identities right now. We don't have to pretend to be somebody different because you dwell with us. You love us. You are for us. God, everywhere where we feel alone, would you fill us up with even more of your presence? Lord, would you fill us up and give us everything that we need to love and serve you today and love and serve other people? So friends, the worship team is gonna lead us in some more worship. And I'd encourage you to do a couple of things. Number one, linger, dwell. Holy Spirit is here, wants to interact with us. So stick around as long as you can, worship. And the second thing, come and get some prayer. These folks up here would love to pray about anything that's going on in your life, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So linger, dwell, take that time to interact with the Holy Spirit through prayer and worship. Thank you all so much for coming to the vineyard.